0: Hey, New Life Church. Brunson Duke here. Thanks for listening in. The heart of our church is that you would know Jesus, that you would walk with Jesus, and you would learn how to live like he lived. We hope that this message equips you and empowers you on your journey walking with Jesus. What's up? Good morning, New Life Church. How are you guys today? Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'm. I'm just trying to find my hot spots. Trying to find out who I'm talking to. Cause if you go talk back to me, I'm gonna talk to you and stuff. So, just trying to find it. Nothing against you guys over here, but that's just the direction I'm headed today, y'all. All right. So hey, if you guys have not had a chance to meet me, I am not Bronson Duke. Uh, my name is Blake Polston. Uh, my lovely wife Ashley, and my she's the one that's wearing a shirt that looks just like mine. Here's this is what happens whenever you leave your shirt out the night before, uh, and she she knows what you're wearing and she has an opportunity to plot on it and so. I'm, uh, I'm all for it. Whenever we were dating, we used to dress alike all the time. We got made fun of so much. I got these shirts for she and I that said, we love Jesus. Whenever you stand beside each other, it took two of them to do it together. Uh, people thought it was corny. I didn't care, Bronson. Like, I didn't care at all, man. I was in love, son. Uh, it's amazing what that that that, that love will do for, for a man. You have you dressing up like each other. Come on now. Can I get an amen? Amen. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So my, my lovely wife, Ashley, and I, we get the opportunity uh, to pastor M18 Recovery. Uh, so if you guys don't know, it's our local in-house addiction recovery program. And look, it is so great because Ashley, whenever she said that they, 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 we were praying for a member whose wife had addiction, goes, where are they? Like, she's looking around. She's like, let me find that girl. You know what I'm saying? Like, we will, we will do something about it. But here's the deal. Like, doesn't it feel good to know that you're a part of a church that will pray for you, but that will all also kick down a door and walk in and grab somebody up out of it to get them help, right? Like, man, I just love that about New Life Church because not only are we a church that prays, but we are a church that activates and we will go get stuff done. And uh, Bronson, Callie, uh, super glad to be here at church with you guys today, man. Your lead pastors, they love y'all. I'll just let y'all know that. Uh, the is I-, I never know how to pronounce your name, Jess Marius. So I got it perfect, man. Siri hates your last name, by the way. So uh, just keep it for somebody who voice texts, like, I'm just going to let you know, like, Siri's out of there on that one. But uh, we're glad you guys are here today. And- And uh, I've been praying about this message and I just want a word today that will help you guys to have a better life. Like I've been praying to God that God would utilize the words that are being spoken today to allow you to not leave here the same and just to put your life on a different trajectory uh, than when you walked in today. Um, So quick survey of the crowd. How many people love the holiday season? okay. How many people would rather go have dental work done? Yeah, no, you're out there. Look, look, I'm telling you, man, for for some people, you can sing with all your heart. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Um, Others can't really profess that uh, quite so boldly. Uh, But the thing that I love about speaking around the holiday season, especially with Thanksgiving coming up, uh, is that a lot of us are feeling kind of similar emotions, right? Like we we all have these emotions that we process, and I just you know Thanksgiving is one of those seasons to where that like you have to you're stretched thin. There's no childcare. Uh, you know Christmas is around the corner. You're going to end up spending uh, more money than you have, or the, the and you've got these family complexities. Look, y'all, I'm going to tell you guys right now, my family isn't blended; it's pureed. Like <laughs> it 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 took a ninja blender to the next level. Like it is absolutely insane the complexities that can come along around holiday season. Like when Ashley and I were talking about getting married, she couldn't figure out why I was getting so stressed out just at where people were sitting, you know? I'm like- Wow, you know, and and I was like, look, here's the deal. Whenever the person that you're closest to in your entire life that's a male figure is the man that used to be married to your mom and is currently married to your ex-aunt, like, things just get complex, you know what I'm saying? Like, y'all thought I was kidding. Like, for a season in life, my sister's stepsister was my first cousin. And, like, it's a trip, y'all. Like, welcome to Arkansas. But my, my deal in that was that if you want to get married like four and five times but aren't willing to move out of a 20 mile radius in a small town in Arkansas, like there's there's people right now in Cape City, Arkansas that are waiting on people to get divorced so they can get remarried, like I just know it. Like there's just, the, the, the pool's not that deep y'all. Uh, but that being said, the, the topic that we're gonna discuss and that we're gonna talk about today is something that I am incredibly proficient in. Uh, the inspiration for the message it uh, it came shortly after Jess had asked me uh, to speak today and it was a uh, it's a passage of scripture that is in Genesis but it's about Esau I don't know if you guys are familiar with the story of Jacob and Esau well what happened was Jacob had actually stolen the blessing of the father from Esau and so Esau he comes in and he comes into his father and his father's dying and he you know he's the father said, What happened? Like, I thought that I've already given you the blessing. He said, I've already exhausted all the blessing that I have. And this was Esau's response. He said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? He said, he said Bless me to my father. Then Esau wept aloud. Like this moment in Esau's life, he is going through this immense amount of trauma in which that all he wants, all he craves, and all he desires is the blessing from his father, right? I think a lot of us, if we're really true to ourselves, it doesn't matter how big of this strong masculine dude that you portray yourself as, at the heart of each and single every one of us is the desire to have the blessing of our father. Some people in this room have it, others don't, right? And that's where trauma comes into play. Immediately after, uh, I I read this scripture and I, I went to this conference and this conference was on a subject that's called Adverse Childhood Experiences. Some of you guys in the education system, some of you guys in the healthcare setting, some of you guys in social work, uh, you guys will be super familiar with the topic that I'm going to discuss today. And in fact, you're going to be like, man, I wish we'd talked about this so long ago. Like you're already already smiling throughout the audience. Like, yes, get them. They need to know this stuff. Because whenever I went to this conference, it was crazy how it illuminated a lot of the issues and problems that people, they deal with. Um, This sermon, it's going to be just a little bit... Uh, messy, I said it's kind of kind of like a colonoscopy. Uh, it's, it, it's 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 going to get all up in your business, uh, and, and and it ain't fun. Uh, but if something is discovered, it can truly improve the quality of your life. So, there you go. You know, ne- never thought, never thought, yeah, never thought a pastor could make a colonoscopy joke on stage. But that's that's what the uh, the message is going to be like for some of you guys today. So, in this process, uh, let's allow the Holy Spirit to comfort us to guide us and to lead us. And so before we get started today, I just want to pray over everyone today. So Heavenly Father, God, uh, what we're going to be talking about today can be extremely heavy, Lord. And so I just pray that you will send your Holy Spirit, the comforter, God, to just comfort each and every single one of us here, Lord. And, And I pray that your spirit will rest upon us to give us peace, God, and that it will point out things in our life, God, that you don't want there, Lord, and things that you are willing to heal today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this message, it's a little bit different uh, than a lot of the messages that I've ever got to speak. Uh, It's really, really, really heavy with data and and research. Uh, Some of you guys might think that, you know, religion and science are like in complete opposition. Uh, But in all reality, good data and good research, all it points to is facts, Like it just shows you, it reveals to you things that are actually happening. It's the interpretation sometimes of the data that can get skewed. And so I'm not giving any data interpretation today. I'm just presenting you with facts, like you, you can look at them and you can think whatever you want after you get done today. That's not what I'm trying to impose upon you. What I'm trying to tell you are the things that I'm going to present today are actually happening. So Coach Fitz, he works with uh, First of Forty Five with Coach with Coach Fitz. Naturally, that would make sense. Uh, First of Forty Five with someone else, so it just wouldn't sound right, would it, Marius? But uh, but Coach Fitz, he works uh, with urban violence, and so one of the big things that he does is he has this. It's called the Dory. It's the Derek Olivier research. Institute. And he researches things to figure out how that you can present a compelling story to show what's actually happening. Uh, as a matter of fact, good research will actually point to Christ. Like we can actually find biblical truths uh, within research, or we can find gaps in where that if the Bible would be applied, uh, that we could actually have great progress and great healing to help the stats. Um, and first Peter five, eight, it says, be alert And be of sober mind for your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. All right. I want to rest in that for one second because of the topic that we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about adverse childhood experiences. We're going to be talking about trauma in general, but all of this data and all of these studies have to do with childhood. So why is this scripture important? Because if you know anything about a lion, a lion doesn't go after the grown folks, right? Like a lion never goes after the biggest, like the lion is, isn't some, you know, bar thug uh, who walks up to the biggest guy in a pack of people and taps him on the shoulder and then, and then picks a fight with him. Like that's not the devil. The devil goes after the smallest, the runt, the weakling. He goes after the one that he thinks he can devour with the most efficient amount of energy being expired. So he, he will go after the, the youth and he will go after the ones who are isolated. That is what the devil goes after. And so what we see is we see that the devil, the devil is not omnipresent. Like the devil is probably somewhere in the Middle East right now. He, he's probably been over there since day one uh, and that's where he stays. He has demons that, that can travel, but the devil's not omnipresent. So if you are not omnipresent, the best way to control a civilization is through systemic oppression. It's like what the enemy has done is he has created this environment in which that the trauma will continue to be passed on generation through generation through generation. And the way that he's doing it is he is destroying the structure of the family right? So, so the family unit was what God put here uh, in order to, to raise the children, to rear the children, to protect the children. But whenever the family unit's destroyed, well, now you're creating individuals who are now full of trauma. And then whenever the parent ha- doesn't have resolve to their trauma, then they pass it on to the next generation and they pass it on to the next generation. And the only way that we can combat this is through Jesus, Like, it's crazy because Ashley and I, we sit at our house and we have zero judgment for people that have inflicted trauma upon their children, zero judgment whatsoever, because guess what? You were living in your own trauma while you were inflicting it. It's not your fault. At the end of the day, God has grace for that. He wants to heal you. He wants to make you whole and he wants to be the stopgap in this generation that will end it. And he will do that for you today. But the thing is, we have to be aware of how this trauma affects us. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, that in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Like we have to be aware of these things in our life. We have to familiarize ourselves with the way that the enemy is attacking. So what is the ACE score? What is the ACE test? And what are we gonna talk about today as far as this data and research? Okay, the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study, ACE test, Uh, was research initiative that was actually created by this gentleman named Dr. Felitti, all right? So Dr. Felitti, he worked in a clinic and he worked with obesity patients. And so as he would start working with these patients, he would realize that a lot of them would lose great amounts of weight just to return to put it back on. Like, I mean, hello, I've lost a 1,000 pounds in my life. It's just been the same 50 over and over. Like, it... it, (laughs) It, it's like I, I, I keep three sizes of clothes XL all the way to 3X in my closet because I never know which I'm going to need that day, right? Like it is the craziest thing. But he worked in an obesity clinic and he noticed this, but he, he really had this one lady in particular that, that broke ground for this study. And uh, the lady came into his office and uh, over two years had worked really hard, lost hundred pounds. Well, in six months, she put... She put every bit of it back on. And so he wanted to ex- understand and he wanted to explore why this actually happened. And so he's interviewing her and he's giving her this exam. And uh, just, he's, you know, late day, probably 2.30 in the afternoon, fourth cup of coffee is no longer functioning. Uh, and, and he's asking her questions and he's like, well, how, how much did you weigh whenever you you know, were born? She answered, I said, how much did you weigh uh, whenever you were in the first grade? She answered, well, what he meant to say was, what, how old are you when you first became sexually active? What he accidentally says was, how much did you weigh? And she answered 40 pounds. So what he realized was that he had to do a little bit more investigating on this issue And so he started pulling his patients' charts and started thumbing through everything. And what he realized was that all of the people in his obesity clinic had these adverse childhood experiences, these things that had happened to them early in life that were still showing signs of themselves late in adulthood. And, and so he, he got together with the CDC and this other gentleman named Dr. Onda, uh, but they go and they, they start this study and it's called the Adverse Childhood Experiences and it's where it was born. And once again, I'm just gonna provide the data to you. So the study asked questions in regards to 10 different areas of childhood trauma. And the way that the test is, is, is done, there's 10 questions. Like you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this out, there's 10 questions. You answer, you get a one if the answer is yes. You get a zero if the answer is no. You, your score can be between zero and 10. That's it. And, and so the study, it asked questions in regards to physical abuse, emotional abuse. This is all pre 18, by the way. So before you're 18 years old. Physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, physical neglect, emotional neglect, a parent who suffered from mental health, witnessing a mother being physically abused, parents separating or divorcing losing a parent due to incarceration, or a parent addicted to drugs or alcohol. All right, so the crazy thing about this, there's so so much of this is mind-blowing, so much to the extent in which that I'm teaching it to you today at church. So for every one of these items, the person would get a one whenever they would fill out their ACE exam. But the total number of people that had... A total score of ACEs. 30% reported being physically abused as a child. 24% reported a family member abusing drugs and alcohol while growing up. 20% reported being sexually abused. And 19% reported growing up with a family with a mental health disorder. Like what they realized is that this affects everyone. Like the crazy, craziest thing is that seventeen thousand people were given this study. All right, I don't know if you guys know anything about data mass stats. I'll just break it down like, like you don't. So whenever you flip a quarter, ten times, if you end up judging your statistics based on a sample size of ten, you might think that the probability of it landing on heads would be seventy percent because you got seven seven times it was heads, three times it was tails. But here's the thing, your sample size wasn't large enough. Like if you were to flip that quarter a million times, what you would realize is that it's actually 50%, right? Like that's what it will do with a large enough sample size. The original sample size was 17,000 people, right? Like, it is so large of a sample size that you can pretty much take this to the bank, that this represents most of society. One thing that they found, though, was that in the original study, it was people that lived in an affluent area in San Diego or San Francisco. And most of them were Caucasian, and most of them had health insurance and secondary education, right? And so this isn't even looking at racial minorities, which later we have found drastically are far more affected by ACEs than the original study even talked about. But the results were shocking. And what was even more shocking than that was what they found out that has to do with the adverse health effects of ACEs. So the adverse health effects, two times more likely to smoke. If you have four or more aces, if you fall into one of those four categories or one of those 10 categories four different times, you are two times more likely to smoke. You are seven times more likely to be an alcoholic. You are 3.5 times more likely to become severely obese. You are four times more likely to suffer from anxiety disorder. Look at this, every single ACE that you experience as a child, you progressively stair-step up more and more and more to these adverse effects. One, One stat out there is one in six people, one in six, this is the current CDC study, one in six Americans will experience four or more ACEs. One in six. And that's not even the end of it. Six times more likely to be depressed, two times more likely to have cancer or heart disease, six times more likely to have had sex before age 15 and engage in risky behavior, 10 times more likely to inject drugs, 12 times more likely to have attempted suicide, and men with six or more ACEs were 46 times more likely to have injected drugs than men with no history of adverse childhood experiences. They have found that five of the 10 top diseases in the country are actually linked to adverse childhood experiences. Look, and these aren't these aren't children. Like I, I'm talking about after you were a child, this is the adult determination. We have a stress response in our body. It's often called the fight or flight response, right? And, and that response is good, uh, especially if you were in the woods and you see a bear, right? Like, like if you see a bear, the fight or flight response lets you know whether or not you wanna run or you wanna punch the bear, right? where's my bear punchers? Who's just going to walk, just going to walk up to it and just stroke the bear, man. You know what I mean? Like regardless of what happens, like, so, so that's the fight or flight response. And it tells you to get away and it, it floods your body with hormones. And, but what happens though, whenever your body is continually flooded with hormones, because you live with the bear, you see, that's where the adverse childhood experiences come into play. Because whenever your body is constantly flooded with stress hormone, and look, if you guys are interested in this, research it. There's a lot of stuff, and I can't go over all the details. And if you're really interested in the physiology, man, there's a lot of stuff out there on this. Uh, I dig it, but I'm not gonna bore you with all that. But bottom line is your body is flooded with hormones. Well, this hormone that's supposed to be in short doses, whenever it floods your body nonstop all the time, it actually inhibits brain development in certain areas. And so the areas of your brain, Responsible for memory, responsible for learning, responsible for development, responsible for impulse control, might not even actually form correctly, right? And so if you guys have the same stance that that I do and that all we are is high-tech biological computers, right? Like we have a central processing unit uh, that tells us what to do, but it's how that we're programmed that dictates our actions and our worldview, uh, then you'll see where it can be problematic whenever part of your CPU can potentially be damaged. It's just not a great outcome. So what do I want you guys to receive from all this? There's one thing, trauma. It affects us all. It affects each and every single one of us. What are you going to do with it? And what are you going to do about it? Man, I, I once heard uh, Renita Hook. Renita, raise your hand. Where are you at? Yeah, what, what, what? Renita, man, she's got some preaching. Let me tell you. But Renita, uh, one time she said, she said, never cut somebody open if you're not going to sew them back up right? And so the purpose today isn't to leave you bleeding on the table. Like I do want to teach you how to biblically reconcile some of this stuff and start processing through some of the trauma you have. But unfortunately what I can do here in a short period of time isn't going to be what someone could do in a therapist's office over a span of time or what somebody can do if you write your name on a Connect card and say, hey, this is what I'm going through and I would love somebody to contact me and pray for me because we don't want to let this be the end of it. This is the beginning. Like, this is the awareness side of stuff. This is not anywhere near the the massive amount of healing that's gonna transpire. Some of this stuff will take you years to walk through, right? Like, some of this stuff will take you a long time to process it, but we just want to make you aware that trauma is real and it affects everyone. There's so many things that we've gone through in our life. and so much adversity that we've all had to experience and walk through. But the, what the enemy wants to do is he wants to let that define who you are. What God wants to do is he wants to deliver you from it, right? And, and so we want people that are walking in healing and walking in freedom. Uh, but one of the ways that we can start this, first and foremost, is is you gotta have grace for yourself and grace for others, right? You do not know what anyone else has gone through, right? Like, it's really, really, really easy to look at someone and judge how they ought to act, right? But I'm telling you, man, like I was a hot mess for the majority of my life and it wasn't until Christ came in my life and completely changed my worldview, gave me a new heart and healed me that I was who I am today, that hasn't happened in the lives of a lot of people out there. It is so easy to judge whenever you don't know what people have gone through. So have grace, have grace for them, but have grace for yourself. My goodness, some of you didn't stand a chance, right? Like all the stuff you've went through, it's a thousand miracles that you even got your clothes on today and made it out the door. What I'm telling you is that have grace for yourself, because here's what grace will do. Grace will give you the encouragement to try. Because if you already know that it is by grace that we're saved, that God, he's not lording over you saying, you should have done that. I can't believe you did this wrong. Why didn't you do things that way? We have so much guilt in our life that what happens is we'll, we'll try to take one step forward. But then that guilt, that shame, that condemnation, it'll ride up us on it. and Then we'll quit. Next thing you know, we are completely out of biblical community because we no longer feel worthy to be in a part of it. And we don't want people to know how broken we are. Right. Newsflash, we're all broken. Every one of us in here are broken. And that's, if we were not, Jesus would have never had to die on the cross, right? Like, I think what happens, yeah, give it up for that. right? God wants you to come to him to bring the problems that you have in your life and allow him to start to restore you. And it doesn't happen overnight. And it doesn't happen alone. You need to be, Involved in biblical community with people around you that can help you process through this stuff in your life. Uh, second thing that we have to do is we need to identify the wound and triggers. Like it's really important to know where you're bleeding, right? Like if you were on an operating table and something went wrong and they're like, well, he's bleeding out, the first question, where? You know what I'm saying? Because like, that's where we need to start. Like we need to start right there. Like if you go in and you get a bad diagnosis and you've got cancer, they're not just going to blast your full body with radiation. Like you need to know where to start. And one of the ways that we can identify this, well, first, Holy Spirit, Like, like right now during this message, you guys already know, a lot of you, like you are already familiar with where some of these wounds lie. And now, whenever you're aware of the wound, you can be aware of the trigger. What's the trigger? The trigger is the thing that gets hit that causes you to respond, maybe not normally in a situation. Like, let me explain. So when Ashley and I, whenever we were first dating, um, she had trauma going on in her own life, uh, trauma that was causing her to act a certain way. Well, I had trauma in my life that was causing me to react a certain way. And the two of them just weren't working together. Uh, it, it, was, it was like trying to walk down a hall full of mousetraps. Like you were just always hitting something. Like it just didn't, didn't work at all. And, and so I remember there was a time that I was sitting there and what would happen was I would always um, plan my weekend around getting to see her and she would always cancel at the last minute, always. Well, what I didn't know was that there was a very valid reason behind it, but man, I've got so much rejection issues. Like I've got so many abandonment issues that I have a, okay, if I had a superpower, like I'm not proud of this. I'm just telling you it's true. But if I had a superpower, it would be the ability to end a relationship in three hours like I can cut you out of my life. Like I'm talking like, it doesn't matter how close we are. Like I can cut you out of my life. Like it never happened in about an hour. And the reason is that's a protective mechanism. Here's what that does though. The enemy uses that. So the enemy uses that because he does not want you to have long lasting friendships and relationships. So what he does is he uses your triggers and pushes your buttons so that you will eliminate people from your life so that they cannot speak sound counsel into your life. Because the two people that the enemy attacks, the young and the isolated, he wants you isolated. And so he will use these triggers. And so Ashley, what she did was uh, she would cancel as always. And I remember I was sitting there and I was having this trauma response and I'm just, you know, sold up like a... Anyway, I, I, I was hurt. Like I was sold, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I, I didn't know how much longer I could deal with it um, because the, the, the ins, the outs, the, the ups, the downs. And, and I just remember praying to God and God revealed to me very vividly. And this is one of the few, I've got a couple stories in which that I could feel God remove things from me. But what God did was he revealed to me that she was hitting a button that she didn't put there. She was touching something that wasn't placed there by her. And God revealed to me in that moment that there's absolutely nothing you can do to draw her closer to you, but you can ruin it. And so I remember praying to God. I said, Lord, eliminate this from my life. And it was the identification of the trauma that I had in my life from rejection and abandonment. And it was that protective mechanism that I uncovered that led me to be completely healed for it. And that day, I have never dealt with any type of things like that. Jealousy, rejection, abandonment, none of that within my marriage. And it has been the most freeing thing in the world. But see, here's the deal. Some of you guys still have that happening in your life. Like you've had past hurts, you've had past injuries, like you've been cheated on, like your mama never made you a priority, your dad was never in your life. And so you've got these triggers and these trauma responses and you might actually be ruining the relationship that you're currently in because you haven't processed through the trauma. Look, man, I know we all got issues and the enemy, he wants you isolated and he wants you dead. But whenever you are surrounded by people, and you are healthy, and you are processing through this, the enemy doesn't have any ground on you. Because what can happen is you start sharing these trauma reflexes with other people. And, and now, instead of getting rocks thrown at you, 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 got, you got like, yes, that, that happened, that happened to me. Like, this is how I dealt with it. This is how I coped with it. And so you have other people that can speak into your life that can prevent you from making these bad moves that a lot of us already have or that we've received healing from. All right, so the third thing forgiveness. Healing in your life, man, you you can't get through healing without driving through forgiveness. Like there is no possible way that you can have bitterness festered up in your life towards somebody and be free. Like you just can't do it. Uh, Forgiveness, what I'm not asking you to do is I'm not asking you to minimize what somebody did. No, if if it was awful, you can say it was awful. Like you you don't have to minimize it. Uh, You don't even have to reconcile with them. Like, I forgive people that I have no desire to be friends with, right? Like, what forgiveness is, is it's a conscious decision to let go of anger, to let go of resentment for whatever the situation has caused you. But it's a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a Whenever I look at forgiveness in the Bible, just like what we read with Esau, like after he had had that experience with his father, uh, this is what happens next. Esau held a grudge against Jacob. Says, because of the blessing his father had given him, he said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. He said, Hey, as soon as daddy's dead, so are you. You know what I mean? Like, run tell that, right? Yeah. yeah. Spray your mama's house and then let you come look for me. Sorry, I can't believe I just quoted 50 cent on a. Uh, anyway, hey, I wasn't always saved, y'all. My bad. <laughs> so, so basically, he ended up telling his brother that was his resolve, man. And Jacob fleed. J- Jacob ran. He was out of there. He he, he wanted to get away because he knew Esau wasn't playing. Like He knew Esau was serious. And so, so what happened was years later, uh, Jacob wanted to come back to his hometown. And and this is the, the interaction. 20 years later, 20 years had passed, and Jacob and Esau are about to meet each other again. Jacob is terrified. Like Jacob's like bowing low, calling on my Lord. He's like sending like flocks and herds of like gifts and uh, He's just like, man, this this dude is still going to kill me. Like, he was just pretty much convinced of it. And uh, Genesis 33, here's here's what we read. But Esau, so this is the opposite of what Jacob thought was gonna happen. It says, but Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. It says, then Esau looked up, and he saw the women and children, and he said, who are these with you? You see, Esau in that moment, Decided that holding the grudge wasn't worth it. The family was way more important, right? So I know Thanksgiving, some of you guys might be estranged. From your family, you might have bitterness, you might have a lot of stuff in your heart, regardless of circumstance situation, but learn from Esau that when enough time goes by, whenever you have grown up and you are older, that you can look back and you will realize that the value of having the relationship with family is so many times often way more important than the grudge that you're holding. I see in a, another example of forgiveness that we have is Jesus whenever he was on the cross. Jesus, he said to father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Like Jesus prayed to his father in heaven, our father in heaven and said, forgive the men who are currently killing and crucifying me. Why? Because they know not what they do. Hurt people, hurt people. I have intentionally left out so many stories about my personal trauma that I've had in life because man, I love my mom and dad, right? Like, they did the best they could with what they had. Like, I've had to forgive them, and the way that I've done it is by humanizing them. Like, I need grace, I need forgiveness. The reason my kids have an A score of zero is because I had already been a drug addict and married somebody that had already been a drug addict, and we have always been rooted in Christ, right? My mama was 18 years old when she had me working minimum wage, so I could wear $100 sneakers, right? Like, look, the things that we've gone through in our life can potentially be traumatic, but whenever you humanize the person that you feel like has inflicted, and some people, man, y'all have had crazy stuff happen to you, stuff that I could not wish nor will on anybody, and stuff that would be far harder for me to forgive than the things that I've been forgiven in my life, but whenever you humanize somebody and understand that that person that helped break you was broken themselves, then it changes everything about that. And so when you can pray honestly for their soul and you want to see them saved, you might not want to see them this side of heaven, but you want to see them saved. It changes everything. (laughs) All right. So to the parents, I know some of you guys, um, have, have, a a mixed emotion about this. You're thinking about the things that have happened to you, but then you're also thinking about the things that have happened to your kids. Uh, and that can be a tough emotion to process. And, And I just want to let you guys know that these aces, they're not a death sentence. Uh, There's actually a test that they've done along the side of it. It's called the resiliency test. Uh, And and there are ways that these things can be undone by placing your kids in positive environments and allowing them to grow up and to see functionality and to have positive parenting skills from this day forward and to have positive influence and positive adults that are wrapped around them. And uh, do you want to know where the best place for that to happen is? The church. The church. Submit and surrender your life to Christ. Follow after Jesus like there's no tomorrow and put your kids in church. Like this is it. Who would have ever thought that God created a vessel to process through all this hurt and trauma, right, Chris? Like it is crazy how that everything we are looking for is found in the Bible. Look, I've got so many wonderful stories, man, about people that have had children that they have led through these tumultuous situations and then watching God reconcile them It's beautiful. Like, I'm thinking of one person in particular. He's an M18 graduate. And his daughter dealt with same-sex attraction, dealt with self-harm, like, had all the aces. uh, And, and, I mean, and he, he did that. Like, I mean, he helped. That happened, but now he, he's, he's in her life. Like they're in church, they're part of a family unit. Like she's been to woman conference, like she's been to collide conference and like she's having an experience with God and he's getting to undo the things that he originally did. Why? Because he came to know Christ and he's stopping the generational curses that are in his family and they do not have to live on. Amen. The fourth thing, yes. we have to practice self-care. The other day, I got punched in the chest with just a piece of information that that I, I really—I mean, it, it was just—it was defeating to me. And I, I left. I was defeated. I was rejected. Um, all the possible emotions, like a trigger had been hit. Uh, I, I wrote on here, "I got punched in the trigger," but I don't think I like the way that sounds. Uh, but but the rejection—it it, it le- <laughs> yeah, I, I got punched in the chest. Uh- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And so, so I got punched in the chest, man. And I was totally deflated. Next thing, you know, I'm laying there depressed, you know? And, and I was like, what the heck? But here's the thing. I'm 41 years old now. I know a lot more about my body and how that I process things. And I knew that I had been burning the candle at both ends for quite some time and that this too shall pass. I reached out to friends. Uh, I told them about what was happening in my life, but then I also told them that I will be better in a few days. Uh, I went on a jog. I took a nap, uh, I just had a little bit of self-care time, had some communion with God, like we, we rested. But the thing that happened was God revealed this story to me. And it was the story of Elijah in the, uh, in the Old Testament. And we see Elijah, Elijah. he, uh, he gives them kind of a practice, like a best case scenario for self-care. So like Elijah was on top of the world. Uh, Elijah, he was confronting the prophets of Baal. And uh, he, they, he basically told him, he said, hey, look, you guys build an altar and put a sacrifice on it, then I'll build an altar and put a sacrifice on it. And whichever altar is consumed by fire, then that's whose God wins. And so all the prophets of Baal, there's like 850, I think total people, this huge crowd, Elisha is so low, Elijah is solo, sorry, Elijah is solo and, uh, and, he's, and, and they're all dancing around and nothing happens naturally. He, he's, he's mocking them. Uh, I think at one point in time, he's like, well, maybe uh, yell louder. I think, think your God's uh, using the bathroom. You know what I mean? Like, like, like wake them up, get their attention. Uh, well, then, then Elijah, he goes and he builds his altar and he says, hey, go, go bring pots of water. And so like, they just douse it, they soak it, they soak it, they soak it, they soak it. Uh, and then he prays from God and God, it says he sends down fire from heaven consumes not only all of the altar, uh, and the sacrifice, but also all the water that are in the trenches. Right. And so he's coming off of this moment, this high in life in which that he is just rocking it out. He is on such a spiritual high. The next chapter, uh, he gets word that Queen Jezebel wants to kill him. Uh, and, and he lays down under a tree and cries out to God, why did you ever even make me? So in a moment, he went from the high of his life to suicidal. Here's what God told him to do. He laid down, he took a nap. An angel prepared food for him. He ate. He took another nap. Sounds like Thanksgiving. (laughs) Then he ate again. And then he took another nap brother was wore out. Like he was anointed, he was chosen, but he was tired. And God knew that. And so after he wakes up from the other nap, he goes and he communes with God. And he's having this communion with God. He's, he's talking to God back and forth. He resets spiritually where that he needs to be. He understands his purpose. He understands his mission. But in the last part of this, it's crazy. He, uh, I've never read this before in my life. Uh, but in 1 Kings 1921, it says, Elijah left and followed Elijah and became his helper. He left with a helper. Like he came in by himself, wore out, practiced self-care, but left with a helper. We need people in our life that can help us. We're not meant to carry the weight of everything that we have in our life by ourselves. We have to have community. Telling someone, there's so much power in that. So much power in releasing that information of where that you struggled. And the last thing that, that you'll know whenever it's time. Some of you are ready for this, some of you are not. But we should all seek purpose from our pain. Whenever we are finally healed enough that we can utilize our past trauma for His purpose, it's a game changer. Everything about you will be different because now all those things that happened to you, they weren't done in vain. You're now weaponizing them for the kingdom of God and utilizing his glory. Whenever we come to the Lord and we present all the things that have happened to us, he wants to heal you. He wants to make you whole, but he also wants to use it. You see, I uh, read in Joseph, sorry, I read in Genesis, uh, the story of Joseph and uh, Joseph, he had been sold into slavery by his brothers, which, yeah, let's face it, uh, that's pretty bad. And, and so, the, the the last time that he saw his brothers, uh, they they sold him into slavery. Well, Joseph he goes and he becomes in Pharaoh's uh, household, and he ends up. God uses him to help save the world from this famine through his prophetic visions and dreams. Um, but the scene where that Joseph is reunited with his family after the you know the selling into slavery, uh, th- this is this is how it plays out. It says then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out. So he's there, there's other people in the room and he has to dismiss everyone cause he can't take it anymore. And he says, so there was no one with Joseph and he made himself known to his brothers. Like he revealed who he was, uh, move that bus. So anyway, it says, and he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Listen to this, it says, and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves, like he forgiven them for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Could you imagine Joseph all along has known that his suffering was not in vain, that there was heavenly purpose wrapped up in the things that he had gone through. Look guys, I was the fat kid in school, like I was the kid that, I, look, so many, so many trauma stories in my life, like the things that I've gone through, I was addicted, uh, you know, shooting up at 14, 15 years old, uh, so many moments and nights of debauchery that I can't even believe that I get to stand up here and teach you about the Word of God. But here's the thing, all those things that I have done in my life, all that trauma that I had, they're actually what equips me to help the people in the population that God has anointed Ashley and I to serve. Like without that past experience, like do I will the bad things that have ever happened to each and every one of you? Absolutely not, but here's what, whenever you get healing from that and it is no longer a wound that is active and open, but it's a scar, those scars can be the proof of Jesus in your life, right? Like whenever people see the restoration that God has done on you and they say, oh my gosh, how are you even here? You say, I thought you'd never ask. Let me tell you about my Jesus, right? Like that is what God wants to do. He wants each and every one of you to be restored and comfortable in talking about the restoration process that you've had in your life. God in his word actually says that he comforts us so that in other people's time of need, we can give them the same comfort that God has showed us. There are people out there that are hurting and God wants you healed. So look, I wanna pray for all of you guys today. And so I just want this moment to be a private moment. Some people are a lot more comfortable where they're at in life than others. And so I just want you to respect the privacy of the people around you. And so if you're here today and you want prayer, whether that be to eliminate triggers that you have in your life, whether that be to identify triggers that you have in your life, or whether that be you just want to know how that you can use your past hurts and trauma for God's glory, like just raise your hand right now and I just want to pray for you. See people all around the room. So, Heavenly Father God, to each and every person here that is reaching out, that's crying out to you, Lord. Uh, to heal. Lord, I just pray that you'll send your Holy Spirit, that you'll send the comforter uh, to just lead us, to guide us, Lord, that can show us how that we can process through this stuff in a healthy fashion, Lord. I pray that you will just send community around, God. I pray that you will give them the strength and the courage to just write down on a connect card that they are hurting, drop it at the cross, Lord, and allow somebody from our team, Lord, to wrap our arms around them, God, and that we can help them throughout this process because they are not alone, Lord. I want you to keep the enemy at bay, God, and not let the lies that have come from him set in, Lord. The lies of unworthiness, the lies of condemnation, the lies that they'll be judged, Lord. But I just ask that they will only believe the truth, God, that you love them dearly, Lord, and that you want to use their story for your glory, God, and that you have been with them all along for such a time as this. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, thanks for listening in. I hope that this message blessed you and it helps you in your journey with Jesus. If it did, leave a comment, leave a review, things like that help us spread the message of Jesus. Uh, If you want to connect with us, the best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at at NLCDowntownLittleRock to follow along with the life of our church.